Hey everyone, I'm Lexi Merrick-Beeler, and I have the honor of hosting this episode of Farm Her Talks. This is thoughtful conversations to connect and inspire the farm hers in all of us. Everybody eats, and all food starts at the farm. Agriculture is a culture, and any culture thrives with diversity. We are no different. There are so many different types of people with different backgrounds that make up our agriculture and food value chain. Everybody eats and all food starts at the farm. Today, we are going to be celebrating and better understanding the LBGTQ community. During Pride Month and every month, we at FarmHer believe that being yourself is the best self you can be. Be who you are and love who you want to. June is a month of advocacy and celebration when the LBGTQ community from across the world comes together and celebrates the freedom to be themselves. Whether you are part of the LBGTQ community or need advice on how to be a better supportive ally, this nationwide Everybody Eats podcast is for you because love is love. Today, both of our guests are cultivating change, literally as members of the Cultivating Change Foundation. The mission of the Cultivating Change Foundation is valuating and elevating LGBTQ plus agriculturalists through advocacy, education, and community. Our guests Lydia Noyes and Skylar Allison do just that. Lydia is an accidental Aggie working for a large agricultural corporation who also sits on the board of directors for Cultivating Change. Skyler is an agricultural student at Washington University who plays a huge role in their collegiate level Cultivating Change chapter. Take a listen as we learn more about their farm herd journey, what they do for the foundation, and their advice on how to be a supportive member or ally to the LBGTQ community. Welcome, Lydia. Thanks for joining Everybody Eats by Farm Her Talks. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start by having you tell us about your background and how you found yourself in the agriculture industry? Um, it actually was really a series of kind of happy accidents and missteps that led me into the agriculture community. So I grew up in Denver, Colorado, um, and I went to an engineering school primarily because there was no application fee or essay required. So being someone who worked through high school, that really was uh, ideal for me. So I I became an engineer by accident. Um, And then I graduated immediately following the Great Recession. So at that point, I really would have taken any any job. So I was uh, given, extended an offer in chemical manufacturing in South Texas, and I moved down there for that. Um, and at that point, I met my future wife, who also worked there. So it was a company town. Well, not directly a company town, but a lot of company representation in the town. And she was in the ag division of this chemical manufacturer, which ended up moving her career to California. Um, and I ended up relocating following her after about 14 months. So I've ended up in crop protection manufacturing, again, through a series of tiny little happy accidents. Well, that is a fantastic story. And welcome to the agriculture industry. Uh, We always say that everyone belongs in the agriculture industry, and it is such a vast industry. So being, you know, growing up in Colorado, moving to Texas, and now moving to California, 
what is the change of landscape looked like for you when it comes to agriculture? <laughs> um, so I didn't have a whole lot of involvement with it in Colorado. Um, believe it or not, not a huge industry there. Very dry, very cold <laughs> where I was. Um, in Texas, of course, you see a lot of um, ranching. The area that we were in was a lot of ranching. And then, of course, in California, you have a lot of agriculture. Um, my particular, where I work, we do um, soybean, corn, sunflowers, tomatoes out here. So um, a, a lot more of it out here in California, actually, than I think people really expect. Absolutely. And since you've joined the agriculture industry, what's been your favorite part of, of the industry? Um, what I really enjoy about the agriculture industry, um, this all manufacturing is important. Most products that we're manufacturing are really critical to how we live today. But agriculture specifically is so fundamental to how we as human beings operate in our society. So having that purpose and that need to feed people just has so much like heart to it compared to um, something like producing a plastic bottle, right? So it's been really nice to work in a community where we're all united by that common and such fundamental purpose. Um, and like you say, everybody's needed in agriculture. So regardless of being a man or a woman, somewhere in between, um, who you are at home, who you are at work, we ultimately are all driving to that same goal and we all need to be driving towards that same goal. So sustainable, long-term agriculture to help really feed the world. Well, that statement is extremely strong and thank you for sharing. I think being in the agriculture industry is one of the most rewarding industries. So you summed it up very well. <laughs> and actually, as we celebrate uh, Pride Month here in June, I'd love to talk about your involvement with the Cultivating Change Foundation. Absolutely. Um, so the Cultivating Change Foundation was started in 2015, and our mission is really to value and elevate LGBTQ agriculturists. Um, and we target that through advocacy, education, and community. Um, I initially got involved in that organization on behalf of my company. So I lead our business resource group for our LGBTQ employees. And of course, we're an agriculture company, so we want to make sure we're sponsoring agriculture nonprofits that are targeted towards that LGBTQ community. And then I recently joined as a board member with Cultivating Change. So that's been a really rewarding experience as well, but fairly new to me. <laughs> Well, congratulations on your board appointment. That is fantastic. Uh, so as a leader in this in this organization, I know it's new, but what does that mean to you? What do you do? Um, so the Cultivating Change, we're trying to impact the LGBTQ community through a couple of primary focuses. So our largest being our summit that we hold in October. So this event is somewhere where we can really provide community for the LGBTQ community as well as allies. And we really focus on development for students, agriculturists, and our industry partners. So our goal is to collaborate between those different areas and develop our solutions to problems that are facing the LGBTQ agriculturist community specifically. Um, we also try to utilize the summit to pipeline college talent into agriculture roles like my own. 
Amazing. And here at Farm Her, we know all about the power of community. And we know that when you are surrounded by like-minded individuals, not only does it bring confidence, it brings reassurance that you're not alone and you're not, you know, just, just doing something all by yourself. And I think that community is so strong, whether it be women in agriculture or the LBGTQ plus community or various communities, you know, species wise or, mm -hmm. or there's so many options, but seeing this organization and this summit um, is very, for me, it's exciting to see in the agriculture industry because uh, a lot of times we get one image of what agriculture looks like. And we know whether it be uh, different crops, different livestock and different people, everyone belongs in this industry and everybody is needed in this industry. Absolutely. We also have um, regional caucuses. So the summit is more national, but the regional caucuses help us target some more local focuses. So as I'm sure you've noticed, there's been a huge sweep in anti-LGBTQ legislation across the country. And that's creating a landscape that, based on which side of the state line you're on, has a significant impact on people's lives. So by having these regional caucuses, we're able to focus more on local issues that are resulting from that legislation. Awesome. So you get involved on the legislative level. And I know we're going to talk to Skylar later, and uh, they are involved in the collegiate level. So cultivating change really is hitting all aspects that are important to people's lives. Absolutely. Very awesome. So tell us, as we're celebrating Pride Month, how can companies become involved in the Cultivating Change Foundation? Of course, as any good nonprofit, we would love sponsorship. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, we all know that the dollar speaks. However, what really is important to me as a member of the LGBTQ community is that companies understand what their queer employees are actually asking for and the support that they need to provide as a company. And that's what we try to get to with our industry partnerships. Um, of course, companies can reach out to us and create a partnership individually or sending representation to the summit to attend those discussions. Um, that's really where it's critically key. So one, one side effect of what we see in the legislature now is that that's really driving culture. So this push, has created a harder environment to operate in if you are an LGBTQ person. So we really want to make sure that our industry partners are enabled with the tools necessary to be allies and support their employees by creating a culture that they can really operate in towards that common goal of making sure we're providing food to the world. Um, if you can't create a culture or an environment where your employees feel safe being who they are, you can't actually meet that goal because we're spending so much time and mental energy just trying to operate. Um, the way I like to describe this is just the ambient stress that's caused by that. It, it takes a lot of energy and energy, any energy that you're using just trying to negotiate that ambient stress is energy you're not using towards determining how can we make products that support our farmers and how can we create more innovative solutions, more sustainable solutions to ensure we're able to do that long-term. 
So it's really largely around getting that toolkit as to how to support your individual employees in such a way that you also get the business advantage of making sure they can be them whole, their whole selves. That's such an interesting perspective. And you're right. I think it is so important. Listening is key always. But it's hard to listen sometimes mm -hmm. when when you are so business focused and you have a bottom line, but you bring up a and you bring up a fantastic point when if companies aren't providing for their employees, their their employees aren't providing for the company. So it really Absolutely. is a cohesive relationship that is really important. Do you have an example of a company that has been involved in cultivating change that has listened to their employees and implemented a change for the better? Um, I think I can speak from di directly uh, more my personal experience. I had, uh, I, I started with Dow Chemical and Dow Chemical not being an ad company now, of course, but if they did have a lot of initiatives where they would listen to their employees and how they would navigate that is things like, um, of course, networking events, BRGs are one of the most important things you can do for your employees because it provides that space for them to talk and for you to listen. Okay. And but it's also, it's it, also looking at your benefits packages, right? And how those impact LGBTQ employees specifically. Explain what BRGs are. Oh, business resource groups. So they, they can also be referred to as employee resource groups or business resource groups. Um, fundamentally, they're both trying to drive at the same thing. So your ID&E in inclusion, diversity and equity initiatives are really supported by that because it's one thing to say that you have ID&E initiatives, but if they are being driven by people who aren't a member of those communities, you're driving it for the wrong reasons. Whereas if you're listening to members of those communities, implementing what they are asking for means that you're actually supporting them, right? A, a critical part of being an ally is understanding what you don't know and making sure that you are going to the right people to figure out how you can actually know it. And actually that leads us right into the next question of, uh, you can have company allies and then you have personal allies and, and people are allies and I mm -hmm. consider myself an ally. So what message do you have for allies that we can continue uh, to support the LBGTQ plus community during pride month, but then also for the future throughout the year. Of course. Um, allies are a really huge part of the LGBTQ community. If you if we're only talking about people who identify as part of that community, we're looking at five to fifteen percent of the entire population, depending on how you want to draw that line. And it's really just not a fight that we can do on our own. So having allies in our community is a huge part of how we've been able to make the advancements that we have. And they're gonna be a huge part of making sure we don't continue the backslide that we're currently seeing in LGBTQ rights. Um, if somebody does wanna be an ally or is a little uncomfortable and unsure how to be an ally, just know that there's a lot of fear mongering going on right now and it's not based in any fact, right? Um, we're not asking for anything special or more than what we want for everybody else. All we want is to really be able to exist as who we are and who we were meant to be. And we want to love who we were meant to love. 
So we want to come into the agriculture community and be able to help shoulder the burden that comes with trying to feed everybody and the importance of making that a long-term sustainable practice. And all we're asking for in return is acceptance and to be allowed to be part of the community while still being the individuals that we were meant to be. Um, so a key part of, of course, as we said, is listening. So when somebody says that somebody is a pro like something is a problem, it's important to listen and understand why we're perceiving that as a problem. Um, from a very actionable standpoint, of course, you can speak with your vote. So knowing who your candidates are specifically at the local legislature level is really critical. So research those candidates um, and see how they intend to support or oppress our community and then vote accordingly. Um, that's a really, really critical part. And I think so much attention gets paid to national politics and national elections, but these changes are happening at the local level. So really getting involved there. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. And I would like to make the point that when we talk about the series of Everybody Eats, everybody's human, mm -hmm. everybody loves, and everybody belongs in agriculture. And and that's what Farmhurst stands for as well. And uh, we just really appreciate you sharing your story and telling us uh, maybe to wrap up, how do we engage with cultivating change? Um, you can get more information about the Cultivating Change Foundation by going to our website, cultivatingchangefoundation.org. Um, we do have a newsletter that you can subscribe to, and you can also get some information on any upcoming events we might have and register for the summit as we get a little bit closer to that event. So that's something that we hold in October. We're still working on uh, settling the dates for that, but as soon as we get that ready, registration will be available and you can see the types of uh, topics that we'll be covering on that website as well. Fantastic, and Lydia, is the Cultivating Change Summit in the same location every year or where will it be located in this upcoming year? Uh, we are still, we of course took a pause during the pandemic. So before that we had been cycling to different locations. Um, since we have restarted, we are doing it consistently in the Washington DC area. All right. Anything else that we should be aware of? Um, other ways you can participate. So if you're not able to donate, um, we of course are always looking for donations so we can work on putting together that summit, making sure we're reaching out to the collegiate levels and the collegiate chapters, as well as supporting our ID&E initiatives with our companies that we partner with. Um, if you are looking for other resources to become an ally, there's a whole lot of opportunities online. Um, your most common ones, of course, are things like the human uh, human Rights Campaign, HRC. Straight for Equality has a lot of information on how to be a good ally. So really just take time to educate yourself and reach out. If anybody does have a question, they're always free to reach out to me. I am on LinkedIn, just under my name, Lydia Noyes, spelled N-O-Y-E-S. And if you do have questions on how to find that information on being an ally or how to start an organization or participate in a BRG or ERG um, initiative within your company, I can give you a little background on that as well. Fantastic. And one more time, tell us what a BRG stands for. Business resource groups. Fantastic. And <laughs> well, we know that's extremely important when it comes to a diversity within companies. And um, we very much appreciate you sharing your experience and your insight into the Cultivating Change Foundation. Uh, happy Pride Month, and thank you for joining Everybody Eats on Farm Her Talks.
Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Skylar. Thanks for joining Farmer Talks. We are extremely excited to have you today. Can you start by telling us about your background? Yeah, so uh, as you said, I'm Skylar. I'm a student at Washington State University studying organic and sustainable agriculture. Um, I get to do a lot of really cool things with Washington State University. I might call it WSU um, through the rest of the podcast. Um, and one of those awesome things that I get to participate in is a club called Cultivating Change, which I started last semester. Um, and it's just a really great way to connect with other people in the LGBT community and support my fellow students. Fantastic. And tell us how you got to Washington State University majoring in the major that you selected. Yeah, so I'm actually from an urban background, um, not related to agriculture at all. I grew up in Seattle. Um, and I got my associate's degree in nutrition at Shoreline Community College, go Dolphins. Um, but while studying nutrition, I got really interested in the food system, um, especially inequities within the food system and food deserts. And I've also always just been very passionate about botany and plants um, and very concerned about climate change and global warming. Um, and the more I looked into all of my interests and looked into potential schools, that had good agricultural programs, I discovered that what could be better for me than studying organic and sustainable agriculture? Like it really is just pursuing my passion, which is amazing. Fantastic. And what career goals do you have once you graduate from Washington State University? I think that varies a lot depending on the day. Um, but regardless, I am actually pursuing a PhD. Um, the schools I'm looking at tend to vary as well. Um, but I would love to pursue a PhD in either soil science or even like um, how agriculture relates to public health. My interests are becoming a little more varied. Um, so hopefully I'll choose one soon. And then I would like to go into research, probably with the USDA or maybe like a private organization too. Awesome. You have quite a bit of variety in your interests, but the cool thing about agriculture is those interests are here within the industry. And agriculture is so so diverse tell us your experience on joining the agriculture industry not having that ex experience before you got to college it was definitely um like overwhelming but in all of the best ways possible uh one of the main reasons why i chose wsu is because we have this thing we call connor's q coogs so connor's is the college i'm in college of agricultural human natural resource sciences and one of the things we say about Connors is even though the WSU is like an incredibly welcoming community, Connors is just such a close knit group. Doesn't matter what department, what degree you're in, everyone is so friendly. Um, and there's just so many opportunities. The advisors are wonderful. So I had a really amazing time joining the college and I was recommended to take um, a class called Agricultural Food Systems 103 which just did tours um, to different farms across Washington state, which was really awesome to get to see um, local farms and like learn about more about our food system. And I've also got to participate in the Agricultural Future Leaders of America or AFA Leaders Conference in 2022 in Kansas City. And that was also a great introduction to the industry. I started off as track one. So it's like your first year in the conference. Um, and I got to learn a whole bunch about the agricultural industry and go to like these career fairs with all of these big companies. 
Um, and that was really awesome and eye-opening as well. And that's actually where I found out about cultivating change by meeting um, one of the representatives from, I believe, Louisiana State, who told us about the club. You've mentioned cultivating change. I want to hear more about it. Tell us how the chapter got started at Washington State University. And were you a part of that founding or did you join once it was already established? So I am the president and founder of the chapter at Washington State University. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I don't want to take complete credit for that. I found out at the club along with a few of my friends who I believe I sent you all a photo of. <laughs> um, so those four people in that picture are Brock Abbott, Rachel Yee, Sophie Labard, um, and myself, and Gabby um, Alvarez-Garcia. And all of us were at the conference together representing Washington State University when we met um, a representative from another school. And we have all acknowledged that, you know, even though Connors is an amazing community, there are definitely gaps in that community where we're not supporting everyone equitably, especially LGBTQ people and people that come from like GSM or gender and sexual minorities, um, where people are sometimes not comfortable expressing their authentic selves. And I find that often um, what causes this is just a lack of experience encountering people from different backgrounds. Um, so I wanted to make students feel more comfortable to be authentic because in Connors, we want everyone to feel welcome and included. And so after we met these people from this club, um, had some great conversations with them, we went to our school and talked to other students to see if there would be interest in the club. And we had a really welcoming um, we had a lot of people that were very interested in joining. And so then I found a couple advisors that would be willing to help us found the club. Um, and I just set up a whole bunch of meetings through with the foundation, uh, with advisors from my school. We wrote a constitution and now we are um, a collegiate chapter of Students for Cultivating Change, which is awesome. And also a registered student organization at Washington State University. That is amazing. And that is not a small feat to, to embark. So thank you for what you've done within the agriculture industry on behalf of the industry to continue to cultivate that diversity and the realization that by cultivating diversity, we can all be stronger. So what a fantastic story. And as president, kind of what do you do? I know you mentioned leading meetings, but what do those meetings look like? So we have three main goals for our chapter, and they kind of go off what Cultivating Change, the foundation's goals are. But for our students, we focus, one, on creating community. We want students to find others with like interest or allies to feel safe and connected. And also, you know, just make friends and really foster that uh, those relationships. Our second goal is professional development. So we want our students to go into the workforce um, ready to go. We want them to be prepared for interviews, you know, having good LinkedIn profiles, well done resumes. Um, and then we also advocate. So advocacy for our students is our third like mission statement or part of our mission statement that we um, aim for. So most of our meetings will fight for those two. So a lot of our meetings um, will be fun activities. We've done a plant swap. We did a terracotta pot painting. We decorated tote bags for pride. Um, we also have done some professional development. We had members from the board of Cultivating Change uh, give a presentation through Zoom, which was really awesome, about how to enter 
the workforce as an LGBTQ person, especially in the agricultural industry, and how to kind of check to make sure workplace is going to be accepting of your authentic self and what to do if it's not. Um, and then for our advocacy part, I am working with members of my department this summer to complete a survey that we will send out to all of the students within the college for fall semester to learn about their experiences in the college um, and how welcome and included they feel. You are busy. That's what I've gotten <laughs> and, and such important work. You mentioned Pride Month and this podcast is about celebrating Pride Month. And I am curious to hear your thoughts on how companies within the agriculture industry can be more inclusive and maybe a few action items that they could implement to make sure they are being inclusive of everyone's authentic self. Yeah, that's a great um, question. And I can't speak for everyone, but I definitely think in, cre in creating like employee work groups, um, some groups have like, you know, programs to mentor women within the workforce, or they'll put on fun events um, for people within a certain group within a workplace. And I know lots of industries, um, lots of big companies have them. I forget the exact name, um, but creating groups for queer people within your workplace, um, initiating zero tolerance programs for discrimination, um, and like posting stickers that say this is a safe place on uh, supervisors' offices, that's always a great way to make people feel comfortable. Um, and then, of course, you know, initiating bias trainings and things like that really helps people work um, through any issues they have with themselves to be able to be accepting to more people, which is awesome. Um, and then in terms of celebrating, you know, throw a little party <laughs> for your workplace, maybe get everyone donuts um, or whatever works best. Just be accepting and inclusive. Well, good tips. And as someone who is an ally of the LBGTQ plus community, what are some ways allies can be supportive? Yeah, I'd say the top one that comes to mind is always ask for pronouns. Um, and when you do, give your own pronouns first. When you introduce yourself, one of the easiest things you can do for people is say, oh, like for example, hello, my name's Sky. I use she, they pronouns. What's your name and your pronouns if you wouldn't mind sharing? Try not to put people on the spot because people aren't always comfortable. Um, but just sharing your pronouns makes people feel so much more comfortable. Um, even doing that on like your Zoom, your social media profiles if you can, or your email signature for your company. Um, those are all awesome ways to make people feel seen and make, also make people feel like they're able to be authentic as well. Um, additionally, you know, if you see something, say something. If you see discrimination happening in the workplace, always um, talk to your manager um, and then just try to be accepting to people. Yeah. I am loving all of these tips and all of this advice. So I have one more sector that I would like to discuss and get your insight on. And that is top tips for others to be their authentic self. We know that by people being their authentic self, they are performing and, and their happiest person. So what advice do you have for someone who might be questioning what that authentic self is and how they should be showing yeah. themselves? That's something that I thought about a lot. Um, I was even like scared to use my own pronouns when I first came to WSU at first because uh, it was a lot more of a rural environment. 
um, there's a lot less people here. I was coming into a new place and coming from a city where, if you know, Seattle has a reputation as being a very accepting place. I was just a little more hesitant, but I've discovered throughout the time, like you will find other people that are welcoming to be authentic to you. And the worst thing that can happen when you are not authentic is people won't accept you. And if those people aren't accepting you, they're not worth your time. You don't want to spend energy on people that aren't going to be positive um, and, you know, genuine with you in general. And when you make those connections with people who are able to support you, um, it's so worth it. And those are lifelong connections. And by being authentic, you can help others feel comfortable to be themselves as well. Um, It's definitely easier sometimes to start off small, introduce yourself to people you feel safe with. Um, definitely don't put yourself in any scary situations. Um, you know, so do your best. It can be hard to gauge depending on the situation, of course, but, you know, introduce yourself to those who you feel comfortable with, um, and they can help you find your community and guide you to the right places. You have a very inspiring story and especially how you have founded been one of the founders of the Cultivating Change organization at Washington State University. How has that experience impacted you personally? It's been great. Um, It's definitely a lot of responsibility and a lot of emails to check. (laughs) But um, it's been really awesome to see more and more people show up to our club meetings. Our first meeting, we had, I think, four people that weren't officers or the advisors show up. Um, But on our last one, our last few, we've had close to 20 people, which might not sound like a lot, but I am absolutely thrilled that we have been able to support so many people. And, and we've also year. had a lot of that's different people showing growth. up. Oh my yeah, gosh, that's, that's extreme one growth. semester. <laughs> wow. Um, so I've been pretty thrilled with that. And I am, I can't wait to do week of welcome. We call it wow week <laughs> in August to find new people that want to join the club. Um, yeah. It's been it's been really awesome. I've definitely had a few opportunities given to me as a result of it as well. I have now been working on the diversity, equity, and inclusion or DEI committee for my department, um, sort of as both an undergraduate liaison and then um, like a clerical assistant. And it's been really awesome to be able to participate in conversations with faculty as well as students and make sure everyone's voices are heard. Well, Sky, keep changing the world. You're already on a very inspirational path and we really appreciate you sharing your story and and providing insight on how not only can we support pride month and be involved in pride month but support the lbgtq plus community throughout the entire year so tell us as a washington state university student how can they get involved in your club and then i want to know as other students how do they find their collegiate chapters Yeah, so to clarify, how can Washington State students get involved with cultivating change? Yeah, of course. So um, everyone should know we have presence. uh, So Coog Presence, you can find it on the Washington State University website. Um, Our club is listed there as an RSO. We will be posting our meeting times and dates. You can also find us on Instagram at I believe it's WSU Cultivating Change um, or WSU SCC Students for Cultivating Change. Um, we have a Discord server as well as a really large group chat for you to meet people. So that's awesome. During Week of Welcome, I will be tabling um, at a lot of events um, as well as working with the LGBTQ Center and we'll be tabling at some of their events as well. And then Connors, 
We have our own little fall festival, which is super fun. Definitely participate. All of the clubs come out. We have Ferdinand's ice cream from our own dairy cows. Um, the school typically gets some awesome barbecue and catering for everyone. Um, and if you come out and solve the bingo that they do, you are entered to win a $500 scholarship. So definitely worth it. We'll be there as well. Um, so those are awesome ways to get involved with us. And in terms of starting your own collegiate chapter, I know it can feel overwhelming, but it's actually much easier than it seems. I would go to the Cultivating Change Foundation website, go to collegiate chapters, and there is like a Google form that you fill out and they will reach out to you and help facilitate it. And it's really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story on this episode of Everybody Eats on Form Her Talks. We really appreciate the opportunity and the time you gave us to explain your experiences. Is there anything else that you would like to share while we have the floor? Um, I would just like to remind everyone to, you know, never be afraid to be yourself um, and just treat everyone with positivity. Coming into Pride Month, I know it can be scary sometimes to be true to yourself, but it really is important for your own inner peace and happiness. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And we look forward to staying in touch with you as you continue your career in the agriculture industry. Thanks, Skylar. Thank you. Farm Her understands the importance of valuing diversity. And by including everybody in the agriculture industry, the industry only gets stronger. A huge thank you to both of my guests today and again to our nationwide Everybody Eats platform for helping me tackle an important topic. Remember to be your true authentic self and love is love no matter what.